NFC East. How did the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, and Commanders fare in the 2022 NFL Draft? Coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Nat Williamson with you at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Thanks for joining us and a special thank you and hello to those of you looking at us on YouTube. We launched the YouTube channel this week. We're actually in the Locked On NFL channel. So go to the Locked On NFL YouTube channel and subscribe and you can find a ton of shows, a ton of programming, as well as now the home of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Uh, This episode brought to you by Blue Nile this Mother's Day. Give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports. Listeners will get $50 off $500. Use code Locked On at checkout. And by the way, thanks for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, Matt, before we get to, and we'll start with the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. Did you happen to catch the leaked draft board by the Dallas Cowboys? I did not. I I don't know if this correlates at all because I'm excited to hear about it. But right before we hit record, I was listening to the Establish the Run podcast, and Evan Silva mentioned that there's a Dallas beat writer that like nails all their picks. Is that something to do with it? Oh no, I don't know about that one. And, okay. And back in the day, remember Rick Gosling? He was a right, a Dallas, right, right. A Dallas writer, and so they definitely share more information than any team. And to be honest with you, I think post draft teams are way too. Uh, secretive about their draft boards. They just don't want to look bad because we know as teams miss a lot and they don't want, you know, their draft boards out there post draft. And to, to me, that's just like a little bit of, you know, the league trying to, or the, the, the teams trying to protect their butts and they don't want to look bad with how they had guys ranked. I don't think it really helps you. I get why you're secretive before the draft, but some teams even less right, secretive right. at that point because uh, there's some teams where you get the information's out there and it's like for weeks you hear it. We saw this, we saw this year with the Tennessee Titans or no, the, uh, Houston Texans, I'm sorry, with the number three pick. Nobody was talking about Derek Stingley at number three until the last two or three days before the draft. Every plugged-in mock draft had Stingley at three. He was like, where are they getting this information? It's weird that all of a sudden, and clearly that was the pick. So somebody had that information, right? But with the Cowboys, they uh, Jerry Jones a few years ago did an interview right in front of his draft board, and you could see it on TV, and people blew it up and figured out what the names were. And uh, that was the year they drafted Jalen Smith in the second round and uh, Zeke Elliott in round one. And this year, Jerry Jones did the same thing in his post-draft press conference after the first round. He held up a sheet of paper that had the draft board on it. And (laughs) and so people were able to zoom in on it. And it was really, I mean, it was far away. It's pretty impressive what people were able to do here. And uh, I'm looking at it right now. And you can't actually, I think I can share this for the folks who are watching on (laughs) YouTube. I'll try to sh- uh, share my screen here. While but, you're working um, on it, I can just throw this out there. Trust me, there's people in organizations, PR guys, in and whatnot that really monitor these things. You know, to pay attention to what's this going to look like on camera. I'm not saying they didn't do their jobs, but my hunch is Jerry just didn't care. You know, he's just going right. to do whatever he wants. He right. clearly doesn't because the the Cowboys. Sure draft boards is much more public knowledge than any other teams in the NFL. And it's been that way for years. So clearly Jerry Jones cares less than a lot of other teams, which yeah, I like Lewis seen quite a bit. Right. So <laughs> and, and 
So you can see if you're watching on YouTube, you can see how folks figured it out. And it was mostly about how long the names are and what the schools were. And uh, I think they nailed this. I think it's pretty clear that they got it right, uh, even though you can't really clearly read the names on the uh, on on the, the video from what somebody it, nailed it, though. Yeah. So th this was the Dallas Cowboys draft board. And we'll give them we'll, we'll talk about their draft picks in a second. And uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was their number one player in the entire NFL draft. Evan Neal, too. And the New York Giants in their division drafted both of those guys at five. Oh, wow. I think of that. We'll get so to that again. Giants got yeah. the first two guys on their board. So they probably weren't happy about that. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, three. Garrett Wilson, four. The other New York team got a couple of their guys, Ahmad Gardner, at five. So the New York team's got all of their top five players on their board. Seven was Trevon Walker. Kyle Hamilton was eighth. Iki Ekwanu, nine. Drake London, 10. Jordan Davis, 11. Charles Cross, 12. Lewis Seen, 13. I actually had. Mocked Lewis seen to the Cowboys, which is very interesting. Interesting. Um, in, in my Might first mock draft, because I kind of like that fit there. And then Jamison Williamson or Jamison Williams, 14. I always want to call Jamison Williams James Williamson for some reason. Uh, 14. And it looks like there was a demarcation <laughs> where they had 14 Maybe first. We should call him James Williamson. I kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Another from another mother. And then, uh, th then there was a gap. And then Chris Olave and Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith was 16th on their board, and they selected Tyler Smith. And uh, Jerry Jones afterwards said he was a top 16 player and even held up the paper to prove it. And he did prove it. So Tyler Smith was the selection in the first round for the Cowboys at 24. And he was the 16th player on their draft board was the best player available when they selected at 24, as you would expect a team would do in the first round is take the best player left. But interesting to see someone's draft board, see the 14 first round grades and see a little bit of a gap there and then see where uh, they were at pick. 16 and there was talk that the Cowboys before the draft were trying to move up and now you can see why they wanted to get one of those first 14 guys what's interesting though is they took Tyler Smith with Lewis Seen still on the board there and I that's what I was gonna say they didn't stay true to their board position scarcity or because and I we're talking about that 2016 draft when their when their draft board was leaked Miles Jack was higher than Jalen Smith Yet they took Jalen Smith with Miles Jack still on the board. And I think Miles Jack went like two picks later to the Jaguars that he did, year, he did. early in the second round. So very interesting stuff there. I don't know what to make of it, but it's just fun to see how teams truly had these prospects ranked because we see so much and uh, and it looks pretty close. I think there's definitely some some differences, but I think though, like minus Lewis scene, that's the name that, that sticks out the most. But I think the the other 13 guys, is probably pretty close to what a lot of teams had as their top 13 or so guys. Yeah, and two thoughts on this are, first of all, did someone just type this up super fast on Excel spreadsheet so that Jerry could say that Smith was their 16th player? Because if there really right. is a line after the top 14, I don't think you sway away from that. You know, if there's 14 blue chippers, I think you take one if they're there, and that would have been seen. Um or, and this happens, you know, this is human nature, that the draft rolls around and you, you change your mind. You know, you do a lot of homework, you fight on these things up till the end, and someone makes a really convincing argument with five minutes left on the clock and you take the tackle. Yeah, if it's the difference between 13 and 16, you say, look, mm -hmm. offensive tackles are more valuable. We're at this point in the first round, there's not going to be an offensive tackle for us. There's not going to be a, right, a, right, right, a right. tackle, a big time guard. Ton of safeties in this class, but position scarcity 
that's probably what the argument was. If this was actually their board, and you're right, it might have been a PR move. Someone just printed it up. So he's like, "Hey, look, Ohio, <laughs> right, 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 obviously right. you're gonna you like the guy you drafted." So I don't think you have to try that hard to prove that you liked the player that you actually selected. As if it was an accident. It was like, "Oh, we meant to uh, we meant to uh, draft uh, Thomas Smith. Who's Tyler Smith? That was the, that was the wrong guy." You know? Right, right, right. So, anyway, uh, well, let's dig into their draft real quick and let's start with Smith. I mean, yes. very typical. Cowboys draft they like to use high picks on offensive linemen which I respect I mean they've had a lot of success going back to the Emmett Smith days with stud O lines and that's something you associate with the Cowboys and Smith Tyler Smith has a chance to be the next great one I mean there is all kinds of ability there with the status of their line maybe he's a guard maybe he's a right tackle maybe he's Tyron Smith's eventual replacement they'll find a spot for him Here's one thing I just want to throw out there, though, and it's correctable, but the one of the biggest knocks on Tyler Smith is penalties. He is a penalty. He gathers them left and right, and it's not because he's Trevor Penning and hitting guys after the whistle. A lot of the times is when he's beat, he doesn't really trust his technique, and he just starts grabbing. So uh, an offensive line coach has to stay in his ear. Be patient. You know, that doesn't mean you got to drag the guy to the ground. But why I bring that up, because I searched for this right before we went on the air, the Cowboys averaged 7.8 penalties per game, which is half a penalty more than anyone else in the league. They were 32nd in penalties per game, and they grabbed the most penalized offensive lineman in the first round. Wow. Clearly How about that little nugget? Right. <laughs> it's something they don't care about. It's got like old school Raiders there. Right, right, right. Or maybe they don't. Beyond round one, Sam Williams was the second selection or the second round selection. They they were picking 24th in, in just about every round here. Um, Sam Williams in round two out of Old Miss, the pass rusher, Jalen Tolbert in round three from South Alabama wide receiver, Jake Ferguson. What Wisconsin tight end in the fourth round five, a couple of three, four selections, excuse me, in round five. Matt Walesco, North Dakota offensive tackle, uh, Drawn Bland, Fresno State corner, had some nice pre draft workouts. Damone Clark, LSU linebacker, and to finish up round five was John Ridgeway, the Arkansas defensive tackle. And then in round six, the final selection for the Dallas Cowboys in 2022, Devin Harper, Oklahoma State, another linebacker. So clearly, offensive line and linebacker were two positions that were heavily targeted, and that's where they were trying to improve the most during the NFL draft. Matt, were the Dallas Cowboys successful? improving their football team. I look at round two and three, and I wanted to ding them for Sam Williams. Yeah. Stuff, which clearly the Cowboys care about less than other organizations. Make you a little bit worried. But then Tolbert, I thought was good value in round three. If you flip-flop those picks, then I would say, okay, high grades all around with those two picks. So I guess I can't really ding them after all on those two, uh, round two and round three selection values. Yeah, I said this is a typical Cowboys draft. They get a an Arkansas tough guy for Jerry. They get a edge rusher with major off the field issues, but it's immensely talented. That's right up their alley. Um, and they draft another injured linebacker. You mentioned Jalen Smith. You know that would have went in the second round. And Damone Clark, who has, I think, his neck got fused together recently, or back, or whatever. He may never play, but he may pay off huge. But these are cowboy like things to do. Um, I think they did well. Uh, I bet Walesco will have some value somewhere as a guard tackle in the next year or two. Bland is a guy to take a chance on. Ridgeway is the last guy you want to meet in an alley fight. Tough guy, pure D tackle, you know, uh, fighter till the end. And I think Tolbert will play immediately. I mean, I think he's pretty plug and play, even though he's a small school guy. 
it's all about the the first and second round because I like Tolbert. I think you know third yeah, round yeah. probably a, a, a wide receiver three at least he should be able to develop into even I if think. he you know you know has to fight his way up the depth chart even as a rookie and it takes a little time it can with wide receivers. So but Sam will beat out James Washington quickly. He, he, you would you'd think he should be able to, and we'll see. Yeah, what that yeah. People thought that James Washington would have been able to beat out some other folks that he that he. Yeah, right, right, right. Teachers. So that happens sometimes as well. But I love the Tolbert pick, Tyler Smith. You know what? What level of player are they going to get with Tyler Smith? And then Sam Williams is he more than just a rotational rusher? I worry maybe they only end up with one starting player in this whole draft, and that's where I would kind of ding them. But there's some boom and bust with this thing, and maybe they get, uh, you know, Damone Clark turns out to be a guy, and, and Deron Bland turns out to be a guy, and right, then Sam right. Williams, you know, has the size. He's more than just a third down rusher, and the off field stuff isn't a problem. And then Tyler Smith's a, a stud, either at tackle or guard, and now you're really cooking. So this could go a lot of directions. Um, if I had to put a letter grade on it, I would kind of give them, you know. A B minus C plus kind of thing, you know, doesn't doesn't blow mm -hmm. me away, but I can see where they were trying to go with a lot of this. And it was a very Cowboys draft. You're right. They have drafted very well, though, in the last decade or so. I don't think people realize that, that they've been a very good drafting team. So maybe they deserve a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. even with Right. Their, and, uh, and we'll see friends. if Tyler Smith is closer to the 16th overall player in this class like they had him ranked on that big board versus what I saw him as, which was a sort of a round one, round two project. Yeah, yeah, that type of a player. And, you know, if he's a tackle over a guard, that would obviously help his value immensely is, is what he's going to be going on going forward in the NFL. That is the Dallas Cowboys draft. We'll move along to the rest of the division. Giants, Eagles, and Commanders coming up. But I want to let the folks know about Blue Nile, whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance. BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom shop, high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces at BlueNile.com. And when you're looking for fine jewelry, and this is the way it is for me, are you just trying to buy a gift for that special woman in your life, whether you're looking for an engagement ring or a Mother's Day gift, it, it's, it's troublesome. It's difficult for me. And if it's that way for you, Blue Nile has... Jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every price point and any budget. Mark Mother's Day with something enduring. Classic diamond stud earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, birthstone pendants, and so much more at BlueNile.com. So give mom something she'll treasure this Mother's Day with fine jewelry from Blue Nile and the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Listeners will get $50 off a $500 purchase. This is a podcast exclusive is good only through Mother's Day. You got to use promo code locked on. That is code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. So shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. I want to thank everybody for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. Check out all the great programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team is covered. That's why. Our slogan is your team every day, every stinking day, Matt. We're here every day. Uh, and if you like us on YouTube, uh, welcome to the program. I'm Brian Peacock, football analyst. I've worked in a lot of places, a lot of radio, a lot of um, analyst seats that I've sat in. And Matt Williamson is, of course, uh, you know, you, you've read him for years. I'm sure you know him if you are tuning into this former NFL scout, uh, Daniel Jeremiah took his job with the Browns and and look how <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah sneaking in and, and stealing Matt Williamson's office uh, more on I got one of my old Akron t-shirts on here too for people oh, to see. Was, when I was the a Akron scout, who was the best player you ever recruited at Akron? 
Ooh, that wasn't a very good list. Because I was only there in like nine months, and we got there super late in the process. So we really had to put a recruiting uh, recruiting class together on the fly. And we like would take them on Akron visits, and we didn't know where the library was, and we learned with them. So that ended up being really fun. But that's a long time ago. I was a director of football ops there. This T-shirt's older than probably some of our viewers and well-worn. <laughs> But uh, Charlie Fry was our big star. We had uh, Chase Blackburn, too, had a stint in the league with the Giants, which leads us to, boom. Yeah, let's talk New York Giants, huh? And this was an interesting draft because they got the two best players on the Dallas Cowboys draft board, (laughs) right? That's Uh, awesome, yeah. Uh, And as it turns out, they're maybe going to be a thorn in the, the Cowboys side here. They got a new regime. Joe Shane is is making the selections now for those New York Giants did Charlie Fry play for the Giants too at some point? We drafted him with the Browns after yeah. I left Akron. I don't know. He might have. He bounced around and he bounced around that. quite yeah, a bit. Right, right, right. He I think he's a coach right now. Oh, is he? Quarterback okay. coach, I think. Yeah. So, so the, this, this, the, you're going to get a high grade when you're drafting this high, and sure. I, I think the Cowboys will probably give the Giants a higher grade than I actually even will. Uh, but I liked what they did there. Kayvon Thibodeau at five, Evan Neal at seven. They came back in round two with Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky. Um, they, they, let's let's stop a little bit there because there's a ton of picks here. But let's. Yeah, start I want to with- focus on the top two just for a minute. Okay. So I think they did really well. You got a, a, all kinds of talent there. Those guys might be pro bowlers. They're kind of easy picks. We don't have to spend a lot of time on the players. But I am curious, with a Ravens-like defense coming over, Wink Martindale as the the coordinator, if if two corners didn't go 3-4, would they have grabbed Stingley or Sauce? I think they would have. I think that they want corners over edge guys, ideally. But because those two corners went, they didn't have to take a tackle at five. They knew they were going to end up with Neil or Ekwanu or Cross. Those guys were going to be there at seven. So – it all worked out. I mean, I'm just looking at the the order of operations. I mean, with with those around them. Kayvon Thibodeau wasn't really talked about with the Giants either, no. but I love the selection. And they might have gone corner. You're right. But at that point, I think it was smart. All the tackles were still on the board. Even if right. Carolina takes one, you're still you're still in really good position there at, at pick seven. So Kayvon Thibodeau was the selection at five, and I think he could be a superstar. Um, but, you know, some boomer bust potential, obviously, with, with someone like that. Uh, Evan Neal seems to be a little bit safer of a pick, had some medical, but they were clearly okay with that. And uh, very close, obviously, with a former staffer there from Alabama with Nick Saban. So um, that is uh, the selections in the first round. What really made my head scratch was – Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky with the, you know, the gadgety sort of style of slot player he is. And when there was so many rumors before the draft and they ended, they didn't, they, they didn't end up trading Kadarius Tony, but some similar, they, you know, they're not exactly the same player, but uh, some similarities there. That was somewhat odd to me. And they're talking about, you mentioned corners and they're talking about Bradbury potentially being cut. If they can't find someone to, to take on his $10 million salary in trade. And they didn't draft a corner until Cordell flot in round three, uh, the 17th selection in round three, their second pick at round three, their fifth pick overall. And he's maybe more of a slot. So interesting there. Will they be able to cover people, even though they might have an improved pass rush if they do end up cutting ties with James Bradbury? Yeah, it's a great, great call. And this team could look a lot different. I mean, a lot of their receivers and Saquon and Daniel Jones, 
none of them could be back next year. I mean, there's a chance that this thing is totally different. My initial take, and I'm going to stick with it for the most part, was the first two picks were pretty easy. You know, I mean, pretty chalky, whatever, depending who went ahead of them. And then I wasn't all that impressed. I mean, you made nine more selections, and probably my favorite pick of those nine was the last one, Darian Beavers, who I think is a pretty good linebacker, a downhill thumper type guy that can rush the passer. But, that, I mean, that's a 182nd pick overall. A um, couple little nuggets in between there. There's really a spot to shine at tight end for this team. I could see Bellinger being sort of a sleeper, maybe down the road, but, you know, getting a shot. Flot in the slot is fine, but it's not a real needle mover. Uh, I thought Izidu, whose name I've killed, the guard out of North Carolina, was overdrafted. And at the time, and I'm going to stick with it, I thought Wandell Robinson was very um, you know, overdrafted, especially with the receivers on the board at that time. But I gave it some thought, and I understand it. I mean, he's he's short, he's small, but he's thick and he's strong. He did a ton of reps on the bench. Um, and I thought, stopped thinking about it, and I'm like, will he be the next Cole Beasley, or will he be more of a Isaiah McKenzie? And I think that's probably a combination you would take if he can do – all the above for an offense like this. And I still think there's a chance Kadarius Tony ends up with the Ravens. The Tony thing, it makes you think that it's more likely he would get traded, even though yeah. he's a different player than Wandale Robinson. There, there is some crossover there. And in, in, um, you mentioned the middle rounds there. I, I was going to point out Daniel Bellinger is my favorite selection. On yeah. The, yeah. I see that fourth round, you know, he's kind of uh, underrated. He's, you know, got the, got the prototype size, six, five, two fifty. He can block little, he can receive a little, and there's an opportunity there for a tight end. Uh, Micah McFadden out of Indiana linebacker. They drafted a couple of linebackers late in the fifth and sixth round. Dane Belton out of Iowa, the safety DJ Davidson from Arizona state defensive tackle and guard from North Carolina. In fact, they, they drafted both North Carolina guards Zenu in the third, third round and then Marcus uh, McKeithen in the fifth round. So a couple of guards there as well. So three total offensive linemen in this class. I think the, the picks at five and seven, you said were easy. And as you were saying that, I was thinking, yeah, you know what? As long as they drafted one of those top seven guys, they were, they kind of had some built in value. So I don't know yeah, if you want to yeah. give them that much credit for not screwing up those two picks, at least or looking like they didn't screw it up. You know, some of those players aren't going to be good. I'm sure in the top seven, but there was a clear group of seven or eight guys that as long as you stayed within those eight, I think you were going to get a pretty decent grade for me here. So, uh, you know, I I'm with you though, after round one, I wasn't super excited about it, but since you got two just high level players, potentially I, I'm going to go, B plus, and that's about you know should be an A draft, but just not completely sold on what they did on day two with mm-hmm. with all of the draft capital they had. But I think it's going to be a good group in the end. So I'm gonna go B plus. I mean, they had two threes, two fours, three fives. You know, I would have liked more in that neighborhood. But I, I hear what you're saying too. And again, the the gadgety Wandale was was just a little too high. And I've talked about how in the future there might be teams, and and we go back and we say, man, the Steelers stole George Pickens. And other teams drafted Wandale Robinson and how did you take him? How did you take these guys over George Pickens? And we'll see how it goes. But that's sort of the vibe I got with uh, with that class. Although, you know, maybe they just wanted a different style of player. And that's where need value starts to mix. And it's like, look, Wandale draft him in the third or fourth round. I'm really good with it. High second round. Not quite as good. Yeah. So that is the New York Giants draft class. We'll finish up with the Eagles. And the Washington Commanders next.
How about Built Bar? Summer is coming. With summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. And the best part is Built Bars are healthy and delicious. And that is the combination you're looking for. You might not grab it if it's not delicious, but you will continually grab Built Bars and feel good knowing that it's only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein in most Built Bars. And tons of great flavors. New flavors coming all the time at Built.com. There's even some new Built Granola Bars at Built.com, and they are going fast. So you're going to have to move fast. And thanks to this podcast, you can get 15% off your order at Built.com. Just head over to the website, Built.com, B-U-I-L-T.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I think universally, people love what the Philadelphia Eagles did in the 2022 draft. They moved up a few spots to get Jordan Davis in front of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Just sort of a, a game changer in the way that Louis DiBiase and Gino Camilleri talked about it, the hosts of Locked On Eagles is it changes the numbers on your defense. And I thought that was a great way to look at it. And, I, you know, I know nose tackles are sort of out of – they're not the – they're not the you know, cool kids don't draft nose tackles. Yeah, right, 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 There's right. some value to it when you start talking about changing the numbers on your side of the football. And so uh, – and if he, I think there's more there as a pass rusher in the NFL too. This isn't Casey Hampton. This isn't um, – Vince Wilfor. Vince Wilfor. Right, right, right. So that was the the pick at 13, and then you've got to include their 18th selection that they traded away to end up with A.J. Brown as part of their draft class, which really drives this thing home. Uh, in the second round, Cam Jurgens, the center out of Nebraska, might not start from day one, but he will be a starting center when Jason Kelsey moves on. And they drafted Landon Dickerson last year, who you thought was going to be the heir to Jason Kelsey, but maybe they thought, okay, well, actually, he could just we like him at guard. Let's just keep him at guard. And so now they have both of those things covered long-term. Then they came back and snagged N'Kobe Dean out of Georgia in round three, who was sliding because of some injury concerns. And look, go get his shoulders fixed. You know, whatever ails him, you could go get surgery on that. And if he misses his whole rookie season, you've still got a really good player, which is totally worth that third round selection if he comes back and is the player that people think he will be in 2023 and beyond. And then there's uh, Kyron Johnson in the sixth. They had uh, only a few picks left after that. Two sixth rounders. Uh, Kyron Johnson, Kansas inside linebacker that I will be perfectly honest is, is one of the, the draft picks that I watched none film of uh, before or after the draft. So I'm not going to really comment on him as a selection and Grant Cal, um, Calcaterra out of SMU, the tight end. And I did see a little bit of him because I was watching a lot of Danny Gray, who the 49ers drafted the wide receiver there out of SMU. But overall, Matt, what are your thoughts there? And, and really, it's it's extra points to me for the maneuvering to get max value out of your draft class. Yeah, we'll focus on the top three. And obviously, A.J. Brown is basically the definition of making life easier on your young developing quarterback. So just throw that out there. We've talked about that, too. Um, I think the league, I pretty much know the league had high grades on Jordan Davis. So trading up to get him made some sense. I think he's much more Vita Veda, Vita Vea, Haloti Nada. You know, he's going to contribute in the passing game, even if he only forces you to, you know, to account for him with two people. He'll make those around him better. 
And then you protect his teammate, you know, with a great group of defensive tackles. I like bringing in two guys from the Georgia defense, you know, that should acclimate well when they come north here to PA. And, and Dean will get well protected by that great group of defensive tackles, high character guy. And they're not a linebacker drafting team, but when he's sitting there at 83, you just have to take him. And Jurgens is absolutely perfect for, for this team. Cam Beef Jurgens is a Kelsey clone. He gets to sit a year behind Kelsey. And you mentioned Dickerson. That pick never added up to me at the time, but he does as a guard. And here's the thing that if you're going to have a Kelsey or a Jurgens, maybe even a Linderbaum, you really need to supply two really beefy 320, 330-pound guards for the pass rush. Or otherwise, people are going to put Jordan Davis right over your 270-pound center and drive him into the backfield. So they know how to handle a smaller move, light in the pants, athletic center. So this works out really well for them. And even then, Jurgens is super athletic. I mean, the way he right. explodes out of his stance is, is is something that jumps off the tape. And you watched him, and I did watch a lot of Cam Jurgens, but he showed up. I mean, he was bigger than Tyler Linderbaum. He's he was mm-hmm. over three hundred pounds and six three, or maybe just a hair under six three. So I think size wise, he'll be fine. He's bigger than Jason Kelsey. Has a little He's more than Kelsey, yeah. there. So, um, yeah, I love the pick there. And when you look at this class, when you consider A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis, they're two first-round picks. They have immediate contributors there. And then they have two other players that, even if it's not in 2022, will be starters. So they got four starters out of this class. The only thing I could even, you know, potentially knock this class about is that they got their starters at, you know, interior defensive line, center, middle linebacker, not Hot, you know, not edge, not quarterback, not, you know, super high impact positions necessarily, uh, but they did get the wide receiver as well. And you don't have to squint very hard to think that they got four starters out of this class. I love it. Got to give it an A. Yeah, it's strong. Uh, my only criticism, and you can only have so many things, and they only had three high picks, was the secondary still worries me. You can't fix it all in one draft, right. Matt. Right. But uh, they could have done more in free agency. <laughs> to address yeah, that secondary and maybe they expected though. different players to be there for them and, and the draft to go a different way but uh, overall great job done there by the philadelphia eagles in the 2022 draft let's finish this up with the washington commanders which is going to get my lowest grade in this class matt and i love the idea of them moving down but here's what happened when you move from 11 to 16 what do you do you moved out of those 14 first round pick players that the cowboys had on their board right if your board as the commanders looks similar where you say, oh, man, I've got 14 or 15 first round grades, you move down to 16. Uh Oh, my first round guys aren't there anymore. And so I wonder where Jahan Dotson rated for them because he did not rate for me this high. A 5'10", 178 pound, 5'11", 178 pound wide receiver there in round one is really good prospect, but. Uh, a little high for me at 16. And did they get value and trade down with the rest of their picks? And I'm not sure they did. Uh, you know, defensive tackle, Fedarian Mathis out of Alabama in the second round, uh, Brian Robinson out of Alabama, bigger running back in the third round. He's a fine player, but you know how I feel about running backs. I mean, you know, interchangeable. And I would have liked him a lot more in the fourth or fifth round than in the third round. Uh, Percy Butler out of Louisiana at safety. Sam Howell, quarterback out of North Carolina, was the biggest value for them if uh, – you know, if he turns out to be more like the pre-draft evaluations than a guy who's actually a, a fifth-round player and a nice little backup for Carson Wentz, so you know you, you have to like that pick just in the in the chance that he does become a starting caliber quarterback. And, and a lot of people, even if they didn't like him as you know the one dot one, like a lot of people had him before the season started last year, 
uh, people still saw him as a developmental starting quarterback, even right up to the draft day. Yeah. Cole Turner out of Nevada, tight end, like that pick. Chris Paul out of Tulsa, guard in the seventh round is, is nice value. And then Christian Holmes to finish it up in the seventh, Oklahoma State corner back. Overall, underwhelming draft for a team that came in with a pick at number 11 overall. How is by far my favorite pick? And I know that fifth round players, I mean, I guess you're the first pick of the fifth round rarely make it and i'm not predicting them to be the next Dak prescott or you know late round guy that that's a hit but i still think there's something there and that he's not a bad prospect and he starts games maybe even this year i mean i'm not going out on that limb but i think that's a great pick at that stage unless there's something about him that i don't know which is quite possible um i think they fell victim a little bit to two runs you know the wide receiver run in round one and then round three, you mentioned that's being a little early for running backs. I thought so too, but a lot went in that neighborhood for whatever reason. So maybe they overreacted there. Um, I could make the argument, though, that I like Dotson more than Alave. You know, I, I, do I think Dotson's the 16th best player in this draft? No. But uh, if they were torn between the two, I think they're kind of a 1A, 1B situation. Um, two guys from Bama. Again, I like that kind of like we just talked about Georgia. But Mathis from Bama, the defensive tackle, he's a good player. But do they really need another defensive lineman, let alone another Bama defensive lineman? I'm, I don't care about the Bama thing, but now they have a ton of Bama defensive tackles, which I guess is a pretty good school to go shopping at. But I, I just thought that that was not a need. I mean, their D-line's loaded. And I don't think he was the best defensive tackle on the board in a in a not very deep defensive tackle draft either. right so I, I didn't i didn't think they got value with really any of their selections except for maybe sam howell if you hope mm-hmm. that that he hits and even if he's just a long-term backup i'm sure that's okay for uh, a fifth round selection oh, yeah. because there's some value there but really i think they you know overdrafted a committee back is what he will be at least early in his career in brian robinson so yeah don't love the value throughout this draft um i it's hard for me even to go into the c range but c minus d plus is where i would be with this class and I, i'm you know Feel free to hit me, Commanders fans. If there's something I'm missing about this draft class at BD Peacock Williamson NFL is where you can find Matt on Twitter. I'm, I'm just not seeing it with this class. So I, I would definitely, yeah, if okay. I was ranking these draft classes, look, it was an unfair advantage that the Giants had with those two picks in the top seven, but I don't think they even got the best draft class either. I would go Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, Washington if I was ranking out this class. Yeah, I, I think I'm in agreement with you, especially factoring A.J. Brown. I'm sitting here thinking, well, why didn't Washington not offer their pick for A.J. Brown, which was earlier, instead of taking Dotson? Or, you know, I do like the receivers that the, that the commanders now have in McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, who everyone forgets about. But if he's right, there's a chance to be pretty good. And then Ami Brown. I mean, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good group. I'll give him credit for that. That could be a fun group, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. also harder for Dotson to break in and be super productive, which might you know lessen the value of, of spending a pick that high on him. And I wonder if they could have traded down again and, maybe, and maybe, maybe still gotten him You know, if you were going to be in trade-down mode because you did miss out on a player that I think universally would have had a higher grade if you stayed at 11. It wasn't worth it with the picks that you got in return, and I'm not seeing that value there with those picks either, which is why I don't love the Commanders. Draft. All right, good stuff. That is the NFC East. We will move on to, I don't even know, the North or the South tomorrow. Which way do we want to go, Matt? Yeah, let's go with the North. All right, NFC North tomorrow, then the South, then the West, then we'll hit the AFC side of things, grading every team's NFL draft 
by division. Thanks for making us your first listen. Back tomorrow right here, Peacock and Williamson.